Hello, everyone, and welcome back to How Do You See Your Glass, the podcast, and also the launch of our Empower Garifuna Woman Collective project. I've been working on this project since February. It was an idea that came to me in which I really wanted to highlight the contributions and the accomplishments of Garifuna women. As a Garifuna woman myself, I know what it's like to really navigate the world um, as an indigenous and also as a Latinx woman. And I really just wanted to use this space to really highlight the amazing work that these women are doing. And so I hope that you enjoy and please, please be on the lookout for our next um, Empower Garifuna Women Collective in november and i hope that you guys do sign up and so please enjoy and again for those of you who don't know me my name is allison and if you are a first-time listener welcome i hope you enjoy the concept that i do have and if you haven't already please follow us at how do you see your glass the podcast on instagram that is hdy.syg podcast again that is hdy that syg podcast i hope you enjoy hello everyone and welcome back to how do you see your glass the podcast and so today we have Feroza, and i'm actually going to go ahead and let her introduce herself and so thank you for coming Feroza, and tell us a little bit about yourself yeah i'm so happy to be here my name is Feroza cayetano my mother gave me the name Steph Ann. It's not a secret that my proper name is Steph Ann, but I prefer mm-hmm. to be called Ferosa. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I am a singer, soul writer. I hear songs from the depths of me. So I say that I'm a singer, soul writer, uh, music producer, uh, co-host of the Gareth and Assistance Talk Spirituality Podcast. Yes. And a human existing in this world trying to do better. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel that. <laughs> and yeah. So, um, just tell us in terms of just like what part of Central America is your family from and where did you grow up? Mm, such a loaded question. So simple <laughs> and yet so loaded. My anchor is in Belize. My family is in Belize. Of course, like every Garifuna by way of Honduras and Guatemala and of course St. Vincent. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent the first 10 years of my life in Belize City. My, both sides of my family claim Barranco Village, which is the southernmost Garifuna village in Belize. It's, it's so far south that it's basically, like you can see Guatemala on the horizon. That's how far south we are. Oh. And also Dangriga, Dangriga town. My mom's side is from Dangriga. But I was, I left Belize when I was 10 and I lived in Jamaica. I did high school in Jamaica. And then I did my first bachelor's degree in California. And then I did a law degree in Trinidad. Um, and I spent, I did a study abroad program in, in Brazil for six months. And, and I bring that up because many significant things relating to my Garifuna spirituality happened while I was in Brazil. And so Brazil is a very special mm-hmm. time in my life, even though it was only six months. And right now I'm based in Spain. I I, I live with the legacy of, of Garifuna people always moving about, and I, too, have always yeah. moved about. Yeah. yeah. But Belize is my anchor. Belize is home. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, my next question was going to be, have you always been surrounded by the Garifuna culture? But you kind of answered the question that no. <laughs> kind of, but, but yeah, kind of, but not really. I mean, yeah. in my first 10 years, and I'm glad for the first 10 years because I was surrounded while okay. I was in Belize. My family, 
without naming names, my family are are leaders and 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 activists mm-hmm. in Belize relating to Garifuna culture. So in you know at the dinner table, it was always what are you doing for our culture today? Like, what have you done? Oh, I spoke to the United Nations last week. Oh, well, I did well. <laughs> that. <laughs> like that, that was actually legitimately what was up. Um, but mm-hmm. growing up in Jamaica, especially going to high school in Jamaica and, and being elsewhere at home with my parents, we had the music and, mm-hmm. and my mom took very great care to make sure that I knew our history. And then the other thing about being a foreigner in a foreign land is that you have to explain, oh yeah, I'm from Belize. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not black like you. You know, I'm Garifuna. Oh, what's that? Oh, well, you know, Garifuna is a special group of black people and this is what it is. Da, 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 da. Yeah. That's so true. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it, it was it was a lot growing up. Yeah, because you lived in like a couple and a few places, right? And so that kind of shifts just all the questions I probably had because you have a completely different experience with I fi- which I find to be very valuable because I, you're probably the first person that I know that has, well, the first Garifuna person I know that has like lived in different countries, you know? Um, and so yeah. for me, how did that really shift the way you view the world, but also like how you view yourself as a Garifuna woman navigating all these different countries? Yeah, well, definitely how I view the world. It Because I lived in so many places and where I live, those people are very proud of who they are. Jamaicans, have you met a Jamaican? They love them country. Yeah, my stepfather's Jamaican. Trinidadians, <laughs> exactly. Like you will know a Jamaican when you meet them. Trinidadians, yeah. they love them country. Americans, well... <laughs> <laughs> and so living there and being constantly reminded of how much of an outsider I am and not really having much of a national identity anyway. I don't I don't resonate with my passport, but I do resonate with my Garifuna ness. Mm-hmm. I've always resonated with the history of and you know, we we're recording this in March. Chatouillet, our paramount chief, who led us in battle for decades against the British. That is no small thing. Yeah. The fact that we were not enslaved and we resisted slavery and that St. Vincent was the very last island to be captured no. because we were so badass. Can we first? <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> but I mean, that I've always identified with, you know what, those are my people. Like, what does it mean to be Garifuna? I am Garifuna. Let me find out as much as I can and I was very fortunate to be able to go home to Belize every summer and on almost every Christmas and so every time I would go home it would be like a like a refresher like a like a re a reconnection of who am I because I I felt like you know what this is who I really am because I'm not Mm -hmm. anything else I don't know I don't know what else to identify with and I'm very glad that I had that because on the converse side, you could be born and raised, let's say, in Honduras and not mm. attach so strongly to your Garfin and Ness, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's different. Because if you ask my sister this exact same question, she will answer it completely differently. But for me and my journey of living in different places, I strongly resonated with my Garfin and Ness because I needed that. That was my identity. And it still is. Yeah. Well, I mean, that actually is a great, perfect transition into what was going to be my next question, because um, and I think we talked about this a little bit when I discussed just the controversy right around 
um, whether you should identify as Garifuna or should you identify as Afro Latinx. Um, but you, you know, you know that you so identify as Garifuna. Um, and as for me, this is something that I'm more so um, transitioning into and learning to embrace and learning to tell people like I'm Garifuna. Like, yes, like I, my first language is Spanish. Yes, I grew up around the culture, but I identify as Garifuna. And so I kind of just wanted to get your thoughts on um, kind of just like whether or not, you know, people can identify as Afro-Latinx and kind of how does that look like for you? I think it is very Western, very mm. European to think that you can only be one thing and okay. just so. Um, you know, I, <laughs> side note, I have such an American accent, but then like my Caribbean accent will also make very random appearances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's funny. When I went to college, I also identified as Afro-Latinx. And that was only because I wasn't able to explain what Garifuna was at the time. I couldn't articulate what made us special. And so it was just easier to say, yeah, I'm Afro-Latinx. I'm from Belize with family in Guatemala. Like, I like beans and tortillas. <laughs> Our cultures are so similar. <laughs> yeah, we but love tortillas. I, I tr- absolutely. But I truly think that we can move into a space where we can say, I am Garifuna and Latinx. I am Garifuna and American and this, and I'm Garifuna and Catholic or Garifuna and Muslim. We are, we are, we are influenced by so many things that give shades to our, to the colors of our identity. And so let's just be all of the things and find most in having to explain, you know, we shouldn't have to explain, but we do. But I think every every Garifuna should go on their own journey in finding what suits them most in conveying to other people who they are in this world and how they navigate it, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. Does that I make sense? Agree. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Okay. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. No, I definitely agree. Um, but like you did say, like it's also important to educate people on who the Garifuna people are because there's just so much pride and resilience in who we are as a people. I remember being younger um, and telling, um, you know, learning history because we only really learn American history um, here in the States and not really being able to resonate with it, right? Because my ancestors were never slaves. So how Mm -hmm. can I identify with a part of, yes, I can empathize because at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, we did have a a mass exodus and a lot of people did die, you know, on that journey. And I also feel like that's something we don't really talk about um, when we're talking about the Garifuna experience, right? We always kind of up the antics when we're talking about we were never slaves. We were able to escape um, and come to Central America. Um, for sanction, but we don't talk about how sad that journey was and how many people lost their lives, you know, and I think Absolutely. that's really where the importance of having that pride of being Garifuna comes from and it's rooted in. But you can only have that pride if you know the history oh, and yeah, not true. all of us know the history or even if we know the history, it's the it's the one paragraph Google generated the mm, yeah. people are mixed people found in Central America after yeah. blah, 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 blah. Um, the one sentence, the one sentence story of they were put on a barren island to die. And when they didn't die quickly enough, they were sent across to Central America. And from there, <laughs> they spread across. Yeah. And from there, they spread across Central America. And now they're all over the world. Like, 
that's all true but there's so much, much depth more. Yeah. and sadness and mm-hmm. and and joy too in that story i encourage mm-hmm. every single garifuna out there please do the research there's so yeah. many books because when you get into the nitty gritty of what happened you'll realize holy hell we are badass yeah yeah, for sure. I can easily get on my soapbox about this. I feel very passionately. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I really didn't know much about the history until I was, I want to say 14. Um, my mom actually, as part of my church, because we went to a Garifuna church in Brooklyn, um, there was actually a leadership group. It was um uh it was through Casa Yurume. Um, it was called like the Shatuye Leadership Youth Group. Help, I think I got the name right. Um, but through that program, we actually learned about the Garifuna culture and like what it means to be Garifuna. And I remember we had to write mm-hmm. an essay um, and submit our essays into an essay contest, which I actually won first place. <laughs> and um, congratulations! Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I was awarded by the Bronx Borough President, um, which to me was a very monumental moment because of the fact that in the Bronx, right? Living in the Bronx, it's like so many people know who Garifuna people are or just what Honduran people are, right? Because when I speak to people, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. I have a Honduran friend who's also black and Spanish. And it's like, that's not what it is, but okay. like, <laughs> um, But also just understanding that, um, like you said, like there's just so much more to the story. And I wish I knew more because honestly, before, which I'm sure there's more literature out now, but when I wanted to do research on Garifuna people, I remember when I started college, there wasn't a lot of um, literature out there. And the ones that were, were literally from like missionaries or white people who just went to Honduras and yeah. was like, like you said, like there's black people here. How did they get here? And kind of having mm-hmm. that generalization without getting into the nitty gritty. Yeah um there's so much okay can I is it okay if I do like a a shameless plug oh go ahead yeah (laughs) I'm just I'm just gonna plug that by the time this episode comes out there will be a history episode on my podcast where we get we we look yeah we look at our history from a decon we look at our history from a decolonized lens yeah because even the one paragraph summation of who we are Mm, misses out some things for example yeah. how are we how are we black when we are also indigenous mm-hmm. and some people will say oh well you're black so you can't truly be indigenous because indigenous people don't have any black color you know all of the eurocentric crap yeah. which then goes into ideas of how black people were moving about way before columbus yeah and how there's a part of our history is oh there was a shipwreck a shipwrecked slave ship that never made it and they mix with indigenous people. That could be true, but there is also no record of said slave ship. And these mm-hmm. Europeans looked at black people like cargo. And so yeah. if 10,000 if 10,000 iPhones submerged in the sea, there would be a record of those 10,000 iPhones. Yeah. And so if there was such a slave ship, there would have been a record of it and there's none. And so it's like things like that, that me and my sister go into yeah. in our history episode. And there is so much that we didn't go into because we were trying to keep it to one hour. Yeah. But there is there is a lot to be researched still and a lot yeah, to to understand about yeah. what we went through. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really interesting because I I never thought about it through those lens. 
Um, but again, also accepting history the way that we're told. <coughs> so I'm really interested um, to listen to that episode because that's, that's just a very interesting perspective to look at it as and and also even checking myself um and how sometimes we can even be actors and perpetuating that westernized story of who Garifuna people are without diving deep into who exactly are we um wow yes I'm really interested in hearing that it's really difficult to get into nuances when you're passing yeah. someone in the street <laughs> <laughs> we don't always have time to tell the yeah. full story and that's something that we should also honor like do you how much time do you have yeah 15 minutes two hours and then I'll let you know yeah. I'll gauge how much to tell you yeah wow yes that's so interesting okay um so just for the interest of time um I kind of want to shift gears a little bit before I got into my last question for you, because now you said you live in Spain. And so I studied abroad in Spain my junior year of college. And it was the weirdest culture shock for me ever, because I was like, wow, this this is literally a place where it's just white people who speak Spanish. And I felt like when I spoke <laughs> Spanish, I got met with like all types of stares. And so I really just want to know just a little snippet of just how is it for you being in, in Spain and, you know, just living there and being immersed in the culture? Yeah, I think that's about it's it. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird to be in Spain. Okay. It's weird to be in a country that celebrates and has giant statues of Christopher Columbus. Oh, wow. Yeah. Especially when I know my history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Columbus Day, Columbus Day is not Columbus Day. It's Dia de España, October 12th. Okay. And I've been here for two years now, and, and each time I've just said, um, Dia de España es nada para celebrar. It's nothing to celebrate. Yeah. But uh, I work as a teacher, and, and these kids, they love their Columbus. Wow. And it's just it disturbed. I'm not offended because I, I can understand why. Yeah. I can see why they would be proud of conquering the new world. But also... They conquered the new world and it wasn't new. Mm-hmm. So I, I, do my, I do my best to throw in some seeds okay. of, you know, with my 12 and 13 year olds. Yeah, Columbus, of course, he discovered people. He also killed all of them. And they're like, hey? It's true. Like, yeah. And, it's and true. it's just so clear that they don't get that part of the history. Yeah. They get the part. At, and that's what has been intriguing about being in Spain and part of my excitement moving here that I wish I got to do but for corona you know we live in a pandemic but I really wanted to go to Seville where there is apparently um there is a library where they have all the archives Mm -hmm. and I really wanted to go down to the archives and and find what I could about our people and about the indigenous people that that they encountered while they were traveling because there's so much there's so much that has been discovered, but there's also so many more documents to find. Yeah. And it would be so cool since I'm here that I would find it, but I haven't gotten that opportunity. But yeah. while I'm, you know, while I'm here teaching these babies, I let them know. <laughs> I let them know. Yeah. Christopher Columbus wasn't that great. He was great, but also there was yeah. pillaging and raping and subjugating. Yeah. No, for sure. Did I answer your question? Yes. Spain is an interesting <laughs> no, no, place. No, sure. um, Spain is an interesting place. And so um, my it la- would be strange. Go back. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Spain is actually interesting. Like, now I think about it. I mean, I was very much a tourist. Like, I stayed in Madrid. I went to Segovia. What's the place that started? Beautiful places. Valencia? Yeah, Valencia. Valencia, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say really quickly that for many Black people, it isn't, it's a very mixed experience. But the more you know yourself and your people, and the strength of your ancestors, the better time you have dealing with the ignorance that Spaniards yeah. have. Yeah. I've literally felt like the only black. And that's true. There. And that's true of anywhere that you go. Yeah. Yeah. Spain is a weird place, honestly. <laughs> um, and so my last question for you before we close, which I wish we had more time. Um, we're probably gonna do a part two soon, or we could do a you know, we'll talk after. <laughs> but my last question is really just what advice um do what piece of advice would you give to Garifuna women listening right now who probably have had or have not had a similar experience as you you know I thought about this question and I'm still winded by hearing you say it Mm, the answers that you're looking for are out there Mm. and I ask that you are patient on the journey because I know that when I was searching I was very impatient and it got to the point of of anger and frustration yeah. uh, particularly where particularly where it came to spirituality I had a lot of questions and you know some of the elders were dodging me and that became a whole 